We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hi, this is Kimber, and today's podcast, we are going to be talking more about love languages. If you didn't get a chance to listen, we started this topic last week where we started talking about Gary Chapman's five love languages and how they apply to your children. Now, at their core, love languages are just a way of categorizing and understanding the different ways that people communicate love to one another. They're not a one-size-fit-all, and typically people have one that stands out to them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the other categories are not applicable at all. So be mindful of that as we're heading into this and talking about your kids. What's fun about the love languages in kids is that you get to explore and learn a lot about your child as you go through the process of figuring out what matters most to them when you're communicating love and what matters most to them when they're communicating love to you. This is a really great way for you to learn and understand your child better. And in last week's episode, we talked about ways for you to kind of evaluate that and figure out how to understand your child. So in this week's topic, we are going to be breaking down two of the five love languages. And today we're going to talk about physical touch and words of affirmation. These are some of the big ones because they're pretty common ways of communicating and expressing love to others. And then in next week's episode, we are going to be breaking down the other three love languages. So stay tuned for that. So our first topic is on physical touch. Now, some ideas of different ways that you can engage in loving physical touch with your children are just even sitting close to them sitting nearby them or close enough that maybe your leg is touching or your arm is touching or something like that so that there's some of that physical affirmation. Lots of hugs and kisses as appropriate, (laughs) pats on the back or even just fluffing their hair. I was talking to a mom a couple of weekends ago about the power and the act of just like touching your child as you pass by. You're going through the room, they're sitting on the couch and you touch their shoulder or you fluff up their hair or something like that. Just really casual, small ways that you can just make them know that you're thinking of them that you see them, that you love them. They can be really powerful little moments. So fluffing up their hair, holding hands or high fives, occasionally yelling out group hug or, you know, having a family cheer, like like an athletic cheer, something that you guys do together and throw your hands up in the air. It could be playing games like Twister or Hot Lava or the little piggy song, uh, playing tag, or there's even some fun games that get physical like throw throw avocado or throw throw burrito. Some of those fun things that kind of have you getting up, moving around, tossing things to one another, all of that kind of stuff can be really physically reinforcing for kids. You can make up secret handshakes, which is a fun one. I've always wanted a secret handshake. (laughs) Um, And so that's a fun way to be playful with your kids or even with your spouse or other loved ones in your life. So that's a good physical affirmation. Doing some sort of spa night with manicures or facials or pedicures or foot massages, gently squeezing their hand to say, I love you. I taught my son this one recently. If you just squeeze their hand, gently three times. That's I love you. And that can be a fun way of just pointing it out at random times of the day. So my son and I will be crossing the street and I'll do that. Or we'll be watching a movie and I'll do that. Or when my littlest is really upset in the car, one of the ways that I can help him when it's safe is I can reach back and I can hold his hand and he hates being buckled up. So that's a good way of me just reminding him that I'm still there. And so squeezing their hand a little bit can be fun. This is also a really good coping mechanism that I teach a lot of families. When you are helping your child through a tantrum or through a big emotion, having some sort of mirroring behavior and squeezing each other's hands is a great mirroring behavior. So what you would do is you would get kind of on their level, kneel down to wherever they're at, 
hold their hands and then send them a message through your squeezes. So I might do some sort of Morse code kind of squeeze. We don't obviously know Morse code, but I would do some sort of, you know, long, long, short squeeze. And then he needs to do it back to me and then he'll make a code and I'll send it back to him. And this act of making up a code and sending it physically through our hands to one another is a really great way of getting kind of on the same wavelength and helping my child regulate their emotions and their feelings and their breathing and all of those different great things. So that is a really good one to use, especially during tantrums. Snuggling up close to read a book or getting a blanket and watching a movie together and then uh, being mindful of the ways that you wake them up. Uh, So being gentle or soft with the way that you wake them up by brushing their hair or patting their back to start off their day. So those are just a handful of ideas, but there are many, many more. And so you can take any of those suggestions and start incorporating them into your life. As you do that, um, as you're kind of mindful as a parent of ways that you are working on expressing love and appreciation for your child through physical touch, it can become really enlightening as to how naturally that comes to you. Sometimes it's not so natural for us, uh, and sometimes it is. So some of the questions that you can kind of reflect on are, were your parents physically affectionate with you? And, And how does that affect you or impact you today? I was talking with a mom, Sarah, and we were talking about the aggressive behaviors of her 10-year-old son. And as we talked about this question, she said, I remember a time when I was younger where my mom was sad and I reached out to give her a hug. She talked about how her mom physically flinched and told her that she wanted her to leave her alone. Sarah expressed being embarrassed and hurt. And ever since then, she's noticed that she's been more cautious of physical touch and she struggles to offer affection because of how she's not quite certain of how the other person's going to receive it. And even though her kids are doing things that are are longing for it, they're seeking and they're looking for that physical touch, she still has this barrier in her mind about ways that she can physically interact and engage and connect with her children or anybody for that matter. And because of that insecurity, she's reluctant to do it. And so when she started doing this and we were talking through ways that she can incorporate positive physical touch with him, it really was something that she had to be mindful of and kind of push herself through and just not make herself uncomfortable. And we talked about some of that, but but more so to be just aware and to just be comfortable and to say, you know, he, he's acting out in this way and we were going to try offering a hug. And so she can offer a hug and he can choose to take it or not take it, but her offering it isn't forcing or isn't an assuming what he needs or what he wants or how he wants to receive it. And it's more so just giving him that option and that opportunity. And so we started offering hugs at really neutral or calm times in the day. And as she did that more and more, then offering hugs when he was upset or overwhelmed became more safe and receivable. And so their relationship was strengthened because she felt comfortable asking him for a hug and he felt comfortable accepting it and receiving it and like it was an option on the table. And that was a big barrier that was in their relationship before. And so in having these conversations with her son about how she was going to approach physical touch and how she was going to offer hugs more often and how important that was to her, she really opened up that door much, much more. So considering that, do you provide enough physical touch to your children in appropriate circumstances? And why? Reflect on that and think about some of the ways that you have engaged with your kids or different times where you've thought about maybe giving a hug and you haven't and you've been 
reluctant to it, or maybe you comfortably just move straight into it. And, and that's not a barrier for you, but, but what does that look like in your family and how does that impact your relationships? An important thing to talk about when we're going over physical touch is setting some boundaries around what's physically safe and acceptable and appropriate. And so that is boundaries for each individual in your family and your family as a whole and as a unit. And so this is a great opportunity for you to try talking about it and addressing it as a family unit and then allowing for individual conversations with your children. So one of the ways that you can do this is by having a family meeting around it. And when I'm talking with families or coaching a family about doing a family meeting, I refer them over to the steps of preventive teaching. So our steps to preventive teaching, there's six steps. And you can find this free resource on our website, smarterparenting.com. The six steps are to start off by saying something positive. Describe how you want them to act. And in this case, you would decide as a family how you want to act or what it's, what's acceptable and what's not and how to interact and engage when something's making them uncomfortable. Then you want to give a meaningful reason why and practice it. Practice, practice, practice. Once you've done a practice and you've role-played it, then you need to give some sort of positive feedback or correction if necessary to bring everybody on track and make sure that you're all on the same page. And then practice it again. Keep on practicing it until it's going smoothly and comfortably for everybody in the home. So one of the ways that a family might integrate this is to start off by talking about how important it is and how much love the family can feel when you guys are physically interacting with each other comfortably and safely. And then you guys can decide and talk about ways that physical touch can get out of hand. And that can be in a variety of ways, right? There's inappropriate touch that we want to talk to our children about. Um, and a lot of families use language like swimsuit zones and those kinds of things to help their child understand exactly who, what, where, when, why, all of the things around physical touch. And there's also just the baseline of helping your child understand no matter what touch it is, even if it's the holding their hand, if they don't want it, they can say something and teaching them what and how to say that stop or that intervention can be so empowering to them. And it's something we overlook socially in that we, we don't talk to our children openly and clearly about how they can stop something if they're not wanting it. So teaching our children and going over the ways that they can communicate that, and that can start off with a hey, I'm just really not in the mood for a hug right now. And that's a great way to teach your kids how to say no or how to stop. As they get older and they experience more and more physical touch or as they are exposed to different circumstances or, or relationships, you can teach them about saying no assertively and how powerful that can be for them. So understanding the dynamics that they might be put in and how to communicate or convey that they do or they don't want physical touch in those moments. Now, there's a whole podcast I'm sure we could get into on that topic and there's a lot of depth to it. But Go back and, and reflect on what you want that to look like for your family. Think about how old your children are. What kinds of interactions do they have with the people in their family and the people outside of their family? What kinds of unsupervised circumstances are you putting them in or are they putting themselves in? And, and what kinds of things should you practice or rehearse so that they're prepared just in case something comes up? Even when we're not expecting inappropriate relationships or physical touch or interactions, they can still arise. One last thing to go over and talk about with your kids is some of those individual conversations that you may need to have with them. So while I might address some of the basics and the general concepts of the family as a whole, I'm going to talk to my kids individually about the ways that things are applicable to them. 
So I have a four-year-old son and one of his love languages that really stands out is physical touch. (laughs) I see it a lot. And that's great because honestly, it's one of mine too. It's one of the ways that I really receive love as well. And so that works out great in our relationship that he seeks it and I seek it. And so we're both mindful of it. But there's a time where I am just overly done. I've had too much touch or too much stimulation or just a rough day. And I and I don't want him climbing all over me or putting his feet on me or different things like that. And so helping him understand and having really open conversations about sometimes I need a little bit of space. And that doesn't mean that I don't love you. It just means that I need a little bit of space. And here's how I'm going to communicate that to you. And here's how I'd like you to respond to that. And you can do it too. And so I find that, you know, I, the way that we communicate in our family is I just say, I need a break. And he knows that that means I need a little bit of space. So the house needs to get a little bit quieter and the physical touch needs to, needs to reduce. After a few minutes, I can come back to it and be myself, but I need that little break. And so I will communicate it that way. And he knows how to respond to it and he'll communicate it to me too. So there have been several days where I've picked him up from preschool recently and I start to ask him about his day and I'm so excited to see him and I just picked him up and he just says, I need a little break. And I can respond and respect that the exact same way that he does it for me. That has been such a powerful way for us to show respect and love for one another. Even though we love physical touch, we don't need it all the time. And so that little form of communication just helps us both understand, okay, great. This is not a time for a lot of talking, a lot of noise, a lot of physical touch. Instead, it's really a time for a break and we'll listen to some music or we'll have a quiet drive or we will take a little bit of space. We'll go do different activities and then come back together when we're ready for that break to be over. So the next love language that we're going to talk about is words of affirmation. And this is a great one because it's so straightforward. Just like physical touch, it's one that we frequently understand and know. People want to hear that you love them. (laughs) And so with this love language, you can do things like use encouraging words. And I highly recommend you refer to our steps for effective praise on that. And you can find that on our website, smarterparenting.com. All of our resources on there are free. And so you can jump on the website, look at those steps and learn a little bit more about how to take your praise a step further than just saying good job and instead really making that effective in the way that you're communicating. So using encouraging words and praise, saying I love you and saying it often. That's a great one, right? We can often overlook or where there's adults today that talk about how they never heard the words I love you and how powerful that can be saying, I love to watch you play, or I love to watch you draw, or I love to watch you sing. Any of those kinds of things where you're expressing love for them doing something that they love. Giving compliments. And be cautious and mindful that your compliments aren't zingers. So when I say this, I I mean that your compliments should be genuine and just that, just a compliment, not a compliment accompanied by feedback, not a compliment accompanied by a fault, just a compliment and just showing your kid that you love them because we care so much about our kids growing and learning and developing. We often want to critique them and that's normal, but we have to find ways that we can communicate with them about the things that they're doing well without that critique, especially with teenagers. They are so tired of being told the shoulds and should nots. 
the next one is affirming their efforts. And I love this one because there can be a lot of damage done in focusing solely on your child's accomplishments and praising them only for things like making you proud or completing or accomplishing whatever goal they set out to do and overlooking the power of praising them for them being proud of themselves and praising them for the effort and the work that went into that accomplishment. If we can do that, we teach our kids a lot about the importance of those first steps of getting started on something hard or pursuing and enduring through something hard or getting up after failure. All of those different amazing traits that we want our child to learn, we're overlooking and we're not teaching them when we don't acknowledge and praise those things. We can use affectionate or fun nicknames. I used to babysit for a family that had the cutest nicknames for each other. They had a couple of older daughters that had middle names and their middle names were very cute and playful. And at first I, when I was babysitting them, I I felt like they were just calling them random names. (laughs) So the oldest daughter's name was Jessica And sometimes they would call her Lexi Lou. And I just, I thought it was cute and it was playful, but I didn't know why they were calling her that. And it was actually because her middle name was Alexis. And so they called her Lexi or Lexi Lou a lot of the times. And it was just one of those fun inside things. I'd see their mom write them cute, loving notes with their little nickname. And it was such a a great way of expressing love for one another in their family. They had one of their sons that they always called Honey. He's such a honey. And I thought, that that was so cute. And he felt like that was special. And it was something that so many people noticed about their family, these fun little loving nicknames within their family. Another thing that you can do for your children is to acknowledge their intentions. Sometimes our kids set out to do things that that don't necessarily meet an expectation or meet their expectation for themselves. To just acknowledge and to see their intention and to communicate that you see that and acknowledge them verbally is just a really great way of opening that up for them. This might look like your child working really hard on an art project and you can see some of their comparison to their goal that they had versus what they actually accomplished. You can acknowledge and identify their intention you set out to accomplish such a hard thing. I'm so proud of you for putting your sights on such big and exciting goals. You're going to meet those goals. Keep trying. Those kinds of things that just help acknowledge what they intended. Or maybe there was a miscommunication, something where they tried to express or communicate something and it really wasn't acknowledged that way. So that might be maybe your child tries to do a chore or a task for you. And as a byproduct, they mess it up. This makes me think of a time when I was I was a babysitter. Again, another babysitting story, but I was a babysitter and I was a very young babysitter. I was probably only 11 or 12 years old. It was one of my first babysitting jobs. And I went to this family's home and I we got the kids to bed. I had a co-babysitter with me. That's how young I was. We both went to go babysit together. And uh, we got the kids to bed on time. And so we were like, oh, we're going to be so responsible and we're going to do the dishes and all of these different things now that the kids are in bed. And we loaded the dishwasher and we loaded it with dish soap, Dawn dish soap, instead of with the dishwasher detergent. And we had such great intentions for having their house so clean. And we're so excited to have them come home to this great clean home. And we instead 
filled their kitchen with bubbles. It was like over our heads with bubbles and we couldn't figure out how to get it to stop. And we didn't know what to do and ultimately caused a much bigger problem than we had set out to do. But I do remember the mom coming home and just not focusing at all on our mistake. We knew our mistake and she knew that we knew our mistake. (laughs) So that part was evidently clear to all of us. She just focused on acknowledging how much she appreciated us trying to clean their home and how to be prepared for them and how important that was to her and how responsible it made her think that we were and just those different positive responses and notes about our intent behind the act, not our outcome, because our outcome was far from what we intended. Okay, continuing on the list of things that you can do to acknowledge your kids with words of affirmation. Another one is to write them love notes. You see them all over. You see them stuck in kids' lunch boxes or on their pillows. There's lots of little times that you can quickly take a sticky note and write them a little love message. You can listen to their stories. We have all been the parent where you are listening to your child and you start zoning out and thinking about the grocery list and the chores and the car needs and oil change and all of the different things on your task list. And your child is just talking on and on, kind of zone in and out of the conversation. You know it's happening, and so do they. Our kids know that we're not always listening to them. I have a two-year-old that I've talked about a lot. His name is Beckham, and a couple of days ago, we were in the car, and... um he was talking and jabbering on about something and I couldn't even make out half of his words. And I just was kind of zoning out and started thinking about other things. And he pulled my attention back by, (laughs) by frustratingly sighing and then saying, mom, listen to me (laughs) because he knew that I wasn't listening to his story. He was in the backseat of the car. He was behind me. He couldn't see me. It's not that I was talking to somebody else or doing something different. I was driving the car, but he just knew that I wasn't listening and he could feel that. And so just taking the time to listen to their stories um, and listen to what they have to say, whether it's jabbering or about their school day, about the most important video game in the world to them, um, taking the time to just hear them and engage in that conversation can really lift up your child in a lot of ways. So it's common, a couple of common things that I want to talk to you about, about words of affirmation are the ways that your kids are impacted by um, the way that you listen to them or speak to them. So it's really common for parents to assume their children know what they know. And I've talked about this concept with a lot of different topics, but in this one in particular, it's really easy for a parent to feel like they're so close to their child. You've been with them their entire life and you start to have a challenging time separating what you've communicated to them and what you've wanted to communicate to them. So you can start to make a lot of assumptions that, well, they know that I love them. Well, they know that I care about that. Well, they know that this is important to me. When in reality, you haven't explicitly talked to them about that. And kids really need clear and articulated reasonings and expectations and just general communication laid out for them. So rather than just assuming that they know that you love them because you do X, Y, and Z for them, start to tell them. I love you because this, and I love you. And this is one of the ways that I show it and start to define that and explain it to them using some of these words and articulating exactly how you're feeling. One of the biggest ways that you can do this is through observing and describing. So observing and describing is a simple skill. It's got three steps to it. 
If you go to our website, smarterparenting.com, you can see the free printables and resources around observing and describing. But when you're doing it, what you do is you observe the behavior, you get their attention, and you describe it back to them carefully and articulately. We want to be so careful not to use vague language or overgeneralizations. So things like, well, you are always respectful. That's not very descriptive to them. Instead, I want to be really clear about what I'm seeing right here and now. You made great eye contact with me. That is a, a way of showing respect. That is me being really descriptive about exactly what I'm seeing instead of some really vague language that I'm generalizing or categorizing. So some ways that we can use observing and describing to show words of affirmation for our children would be just now you were laughing with your brother and that made me feel warm and happy. Or I just saw you working so hard to build that castle and then when part of it knocked over, you kept going. I love that about you. Sarah, you offered to clear my plate and that was such a simple gesture, but it made me feel really loved. Thank you. In these descriptions, I'm explaining what I saw or what I felt with clear language so that my child is understanding and they're learning from it and that they're hearing it. Instead of just assuming, wow, she cleared my plate, she's showing that she loves me and I really love her back and making all of those thoughts and assumptions in my head, but not communicating any of it. Another thing that we want to keep in mind with words of affirmation is that kids hear everything. They hear everything. So be so mindful of the messages that you're sending to them, even when you're not directing the conversation towards them. Adults have this magical ability to talk or in get, interact in a room and completely forget that children are there or are present. And I'm often reminded of this when I've got a kid in the backseat that, that pipes up. So, um, you know, there's something going on or there's a conversation happening between two adults and the, and the passenger in the driver's seats. And all the way from the back row, one of the kids wants to pipe in with their comment or their tidbit. And you realize, oh, they're hearing everything that we're saying. Kids are hearing it all. And so when you talk about them, make sure that you're talking about them in ways that you want them to hear it. So instead of talking over your child's head and telling your spouse, oh, she's just always so disrespectful. Instead, really use clear language and talk with your child as if they're there and they're present because they're in the room with you. Or take your conversations where you're needing to vent or process or problem solve out of the room. So you and your spouse or your co-parent need to go into a separate space where your child isn't present and they aren't listening. Because if they're around and you can see them, you need to assume they can hear you. And those messages really matter and it builds up their internal monologue. When you are talking about and describing ways that your children are successful or unsuccessful or loved or frustrating or any of the different things, if you're doing that in the room while they're around, they're hearing that and they're soaking it in, whether it's directed to them or not. In conclusion, I want you to take away some of these steps that we talked about. We talked about two different skills in this podcast. We talked about preventive teaching and how to use that in a family meeting to talk to your kids about healthy boundaries when it comes to physical touch. We also talked about using observe and describe to start to acknowledge ways that you see and appreciate your child interacting with you and telling them things that you love about them or ways that you see them trying so hard and you appreciate that about them. Using those two skills is going to help you communicate and express your love towards your children. And I want you to try them out this week. Next week in our podcast, we're going to talk about the other three love languages. And in that podcast, we'll break them down a little bit more and we'll talk about ways that these love languages interact with one another and some ways that you can 
better communicate and improve the way that you're trying them out with your kids. Have a great week and a wonderful Valentine's Day and we'll see you next time.